Hello, and welcome to the Chess Journal's Editor Highlights Podcast. Each month, Chess Editor-in-Chief Dr. Peter Mazzone highlights key articles from the current issue of the journal to help clinicians stay informed about new research in the fields of pulmonary, critical care, and sleep medicine. To introduce this month's episode, here is Dr. Peter Mazzone. Thank you for tuning in to the Editor's Highlight podcast for the May 2022 issue of the journal Chest. There's a great lineup of diverse content in this month's issue. Over the next 15 minutes, I'll provide a brief overview of key manuscripts published in each of our content areas, starting with our asthma content area. Evidence suggests that people with characteristics of both asthma and COPD experience worse outcomes than those with either condition alone. In this issue, John and colleagues conducted a genome-wide association study in over 8,000 asthma COPD overlap case subjects and over 40,000 control subjects without asthma or COPD to determine the genetic architecture of asthma COPD overlap and assess whether the determinants of risk for asthma COPD overlap differ from those for COPD or asthma alone. 31 independent variants were selected for further investigation and eight novel signals were detected. The signals suggested a spectrum of shared genetic influences, some influencing asthma and others fixed airflow obstruction. The associations of these signals were not driven by smoking or age. Eosinophil counts, atopy, and asthma traits were prominent in phenome scans. These signals of asthma COPD overlap may represent loci that predispose to type 2 inflammation in serious long-term consequences of asthma. Next is our chest infections content area. It is uncertain whether primary prophylaxis for pneumocystis gyrovecae pneumonia is helpful in those being treated with rituximab. In this issue, Park and colleagues report the results of a retrospective study of over 3,500 patients designed to determine if the benefit of primary prophylaxis for PJP in patients receiving rituximab outweighs the potential risk of prophylaxis. 1,001 patients received trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole during the first 28 days after the start of rituximab. 92 PJP infections occurred with a mortality rate of 27.2%. The prophylaxis group had a lower incidence of PJP, hazard ratio of 0.20. There were 10 severe adverse drug reactions amounting to a number needed to harm of 101 and a number needed to prevent one PJP infection of 32. These results suggest trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole prophylaxis significantly reduced PJP incidence with a tolerable safety profile in patients receiving rituximab treatment. Also in this section, our original research articles describing real-world outcomes in cystic fibrosis clinical care during the global pandemic, the potential value of sputum proteomics in non-tuberculous mycobacterial lung disease, and the impact of time between diagnosis and treatment 
for non-tuberculous mycobacterial disease on culture conversion and all-cause mortality. Completing this section is a chest review describing emerging non-pulmonary complications for adults with cystic fibrosis. On to our COPD content area. New predictive biomarkers and novel therapeutic targets for COPD will be facilitated by an improved understanding of airway pathophysiology. In this issue, Esther and colleagues evaluated metabolomics biomarkers in the sputa of patients with COPD to determine which physiologic pathways are altered in the airways and can predict exacerbations in people with COPD. Sputum from 562 patients with COPD, 341 individuals who smoke with preserved spirometry, and 77 healthy individuals who have not smoked were analyzed. Biomarkers from multiple pathways were elevated. Sialic acid and hypoxanthine were associated strongly with measures of disease severity and shorter time to exacerbation, improving prediction models of future exacerbations. Pathways involved in mucus hydration, adenosine metabolism, methionine salvage, and oxidative stress were implicated in the pathophysiology of COPD, providing potential targets for therapy and predictors of exacerbations. Also in this section is an original research article exploring the association between disability and mortality with the co-occurrence of physical frailty in COPD and a chest review about the role of palliative care in COPD. Next is our critical care content area. Platelets play an important role in the pathophysiology of ARDS. Prior observational work suggests aspirin is a potential therapeutic option. In this issue, Toner and colleagues report the results of a randomized double-blind allocation concealed placebo-controlled phase 2 trial conducted to determine if entrolaspirin at 75 mg once daily is safe and effective in improving surrogate outcomes in adults with ARDS. The trial was stopped after 49 of a planned 60 patients were recruited. There was no significant difference in day 7 oxygenation index or other respiratory physiologic markers. There was no difference in the number of adverse events between the groups. These results suggest that though aspirin is well tolerated, it did not improve the oxygenation index or other physiologic outcomes, lowering the priority and feasibility of larger studies with similar designs. Also in this section is an original research article that evaluated drivers of burnout among critical care practitioners in a multi-center mixed method study and a research letter reporting variability in surrogate informed consent rates in ARDS and pedal network multicenter trials. Completing this section is a chest review of benign hematology emergencies in critically ill adults and a special feature article exploring how adult intensive care units can support pediatric care in public health emergencies. On to our diffuse lung disease content area. The assessment of mortality risk in interstitial lung disease remains challenging. 
In this issue, Combs and colleagues report the results of a multi-center retrospective observational cohort study designed to determine if body mass index and weight loss over time were reliable prognostic indicators in patients with fibrotic interstitial lung disease. Derivation and validation cohorts built from six centers each included nearly 1,800 patients. Compared with normal BMI, mortality was highest in those who were underweight and lowest in those who were overweight or obese. Patients with weight loss of at least two kilograms within one year had increased risk of death in the subsequent year. These results identify both BMI and weight loss as potentially clinically useful prognostic indicators in fibrotic interstitial lung disease. A second original research article published in this issue evaluated early radiographic progression of scleroderma lung disease as a predictor of long-term mortality. Our education and clinical practice content areas next. Chronic mountain sickness is characterized by severe hypoxemia and excessive erythrocytosis. Whether the duration of chronic mountain sickness or aging promotes excessive erythrocytosis in chronic mountain sickness remains unclear. In this issue, Hammered and colleagues report the results of a longitudinal study designed to prospectively investigate excessive erythrocytosis and chronic mountain sickness symptoms in changes in physiologic variables in dwellers from the highest city in the world. Among 90 Highlanders followed, the prevalence of excessive erythrocytosis was 76% and of chronic mountain sickness, 31%. The crude incidence rate over 14 years of follow-up in those without baseline disease was 6.2 and 4.4 cases per person year, respectively. Oxygen saturation, chronic mountain sickness clinical score, in years of follow-up were associated with an increase in hematocrit, and saturation and years of follow-up were associated with an increase in the chronic mountain sickness total score. These results provide insight into the association between chronic severe hypoxic exposure in the occurrence of excessive erythrocytosis and chronic mountain sickness. Completing this section is a chest review describing clinical and billing aspects of transvenous phrenic nerve stimulation for central sleep apnea. Next is our pulmonary vascular content area. A better understanding of the relationship between indexes of right ventricular function and prognosis in pulmonary hypertension could impact risk stratification. In this issue, Haddad and colleagues report findings from a cohort of 231 patients with pulmonary arterial hypertension followed over seven years to determine if clinical network graphs inform risk stratification in pulmonary arterial hypertension. A network of closely intertwined features centered around N-terminal pro-BNP, a prognostic model with a C-index of 0.81, included central right heart features, N-terminal pro-BNP and right ventricular end systolic remodeling index, with six-minute walk distance and less connected nodes included. 
serial change in N-terminal proBNP improved outcome prediction. These results identified N-terminal proBNP as a central prognostic factor in connectivity analysis as a tool for feature selection and combination in outcome models. Completing this section is a chest review about the off-label use in inappropriate dosing of direct oral anticoagulants in cardiopulmonary disease. Our sleep medicine content area is next. Obstructive sleep apnea is associated with metabolic syndrome, but it is not clear if treatment with CPAP can improve the metabolic syndrome. In this issue, Giampa and colleagues report a randomized placebo-controlled trial of adult patients with a recent diagnosis of metabolic syndrome and moderate or severe sleep apnea, designed to determine if obstructive sleep apnea treatment with six months of CPAP has effects on the reversibility of metabolic syndrome, including the associated metabolic adiposity and vascular features. 100 patients completed the study. Though most of those treated with CPAP continued to have metabolic syndrome, the rate of reversibility was higher than in the placebo group, 18% versus 4%. CPAP did not promote significant reductions in many of the individual components of metabolic syndrome, but did lead to a very modest reduction in visceral fat and improved endothelial function. These results support a modest role of obstructive sleep apnea and obstructive sleep apnea treatment in modulating metabolic syndrome. Next is our thoracic oncology content area. Long-term survival, according to clinical nodal stage diagnosed by EBIS-TBNA, has not been reported. In this issue, Wang Bo and colleagues report the results of a retrospective review of 1,089 patients who underwent EBIS-TBNA for initial lung cancer staging to determine the prognostic impact of EBIS nodal stage and the survival rate in false negative EBIS-TBNA cases. A significant difference in survival between EBIS nodal stages was observed. Among 55 false negative cases, patients with pathologic N2 or N3 disease had worse survival than patients with pathologic N0 disease, but not pathologic N1 disease. These results support the importance of EBIS-TBNA in non-small cell lung cancer staging and suggest a favorable survival in those with false negative results, providing a rationale for performing surgery after a negative EBIS-TBNA. Also in this section is an original research article reporting results of a dual-institution, multi-reader study of definitions of central tumors in radiologically node-negative early-stage lung cancer, and a research letter describing the impact of alternative approaches to diagnostic yield calculation in studies of bronchoscopy. Completing this section is a chest review of the frequency, risk factors, and management of complications from pleural procedures. Finally, I encourage you to take a look at our Humanities and Chest Medicine section, where you'll find a point-counterpoint debate about whether informed consent should be obtained for apnea testing in the determination of death by neurological criteria, 
an Advantage series contribution about the equity challenges for artificial intelligence algorithms in healthcare. Our case series publications for the month provide novel and educational cases to help improve your clinical skills. I hope you enjoy reading all of the high-quality content available in this month's issue of CHEST. As always, I'm grateful to the authors of this work, the reviewers who volunteered their time to improve the quality of these manuscripts, and to our editorial board for guiding everything that we do. Until next month, I hope you enjoy the May issue. Thanks for listening to the Chess Journal's Editor Highlights Podcast. You can find the articles mentioned in this podcast and more on chestjournal.org. And if you're looking for more context and commentary on articles in the current issue, please check out the original Chess Journal podcast, which features in-depth discussions with the authors themselves. We'll be back again with more Editor's Highlights next month.